Chapter Twenty Four of the Star Chamber, an Historical Romance, Volume Two. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Dion Gines, Salt Lake City, Utah. The Star Chamber, an Historical Romance, Volume Two, by William Harrison Ainsworth. Chapter Twenty Four the abduction night had come on and aveline was anxiously expecting the arrival of her lover when a loud knocking was heard at the door of the cottage and before the summons could be answered by anthony rock two persons entered and pushing past the old serving-man who demanded their business and vainly endeavoured to oppose their progress forced their way into the presence of his mistress dame sherborne was in an inner room but alarmed by the noise she flew to the aid of her charge and reached her at the same moment with the intruders her lamp threw its light full upon their countenances and when she found who they were she screamed and nearly let it fall appearing to stand much more in need of support than aveline herself the foremost of the two was sir giles mompesson and his usually stern and sinister features had acquired a yet more inauspicious cast from the death-like paleness that bespread them as well as from the fillet bound round his injured brow the other was an antiquated coxcomb aping the airs and graces of a youthful gallant attired in silks and velvets fashioned in the newest french mode and exhaling a mingled perfume of civet musk and ambergris and in him aveline recognized the amorous old dotard who had stared at her so offensively during the visit she had been forced to make to the extortioner sir francis's deportment was not a whit less impertinent or objectionable now than heretofore after making a profound salutation to aveline which he thought was executed in the most courtly style and with consummate grace he observed in a loud whisper to his partner for heaven a matchless creature a divinity introduce me in due form sir giles suffer me to make known to you sir francis mitchell fair mistress said mompesson he is so ravished by your charms that he can neither eat drink nor sleep and he professes to me his friend and partner that he must die outright unless you take pity on him is it not so sir francis nay plead your own cause man you will do it better than i who am little accustomed to tune my voice to the ear of beauty during this speech the old usurer conducted himself in a manner that under other circumstances must have moved aveline's mirth but it now only excited her disgust and indignation sighing groaning placing his hand upon his heart languishingly regarding her and turning up his eyes till the whites alone were visible 
he ended by throwing himself at her feet seizing her hand and attempting to cover it with kisses deign to listen to me peerless and adorable damsel he cried in the most impassioned accents he could command though he wheezed terribly all the while and was ever and anon interrupted by a fit of coughing incline your ear to me i beseech you sir giles has in no respect exaggerated my sad condition ever since i beheld you i have been able to do nothing else than <coughs> dwell upon your surpassing attractions day and night your lovely image has been constantly before me you have driven sleep from my eyelids and rest from my <coughs> frame your lustrous eyes have lighted up such a fire in my breast as can never be extinguished unless <coughs> plague take this cough i owe it to you fair mistress of my heart as well as my other torments but as i was about to say the raging flame you have kindled in my breast will utterly consume me unless <coughs> uh, uh. here he was well-nigh choked and sir giles had to come to his assistance what my worthy friend and partner would declare if his cough permitted him fair mistress aveline urged the extortioner is that he places his life and fortune at your disposal his desires are all centred in you and it rests with you to make him the happiest or most miserable of mankind speak i not your sentiments sir francis in every particular good sir giles replied the other as soon as he could recover utterance and now most adorable damsel what say you in answer you are too gentle i am sure to condemn your slave to endless tortures nay motion me not to rise i have that to say will disarm your frowns and turn them into smiles of approval and assent oh this accursed rheumatism he muttered to himself i shall never be able to get up unaided i love you incomparable creature love you to distraction and as your beauty has inflicted such desperate wounds upon my heart so i am sure your gentleness will not fail to cure them devotion like mine must meet its reward your answer divinest creature and let it be favourable to my hopes i conjure you i have no other answer to give replied aveline coldly and with an offended look except such as any maiden thus unwarrantably and unseasonably importuned would make your addresses are utterly distasteful to me and i pray you to desist them if you have any real wish to oblige me you will at once free me from your presence your hand sir giles your hand cried the old usurer raising himself to his feet with difficulty so you are not to be moved by my sufferings by my prayers cruel and proud beauty he continued regarding her with a mortified and spiteful look you are inflexible eh utterly so she replied anthony rock cried dame sherborne 
show the gentlemen to the door and bolt it upon them she added in a lower tone not so fast madame not so fast exclaimed sir francis we will not trouble old anthony just yet though his fair young mistress is indisposed to listen to the pleadings of love it follows not she will be equally insensible to the controlling power of her father's delegated authority her hand must be mine either freely or by compulsion let her know on what grounds i claim it sir giles your claim cannot be resisted sir francis rejoined the other and if you had followed my counsel you would not have condescended to play the abject wooer but have adopted the manlier course and demanded her hand as your right nay sir giles you cannot wonder at me knowing how infatuated i am by this rare and admirable creature i was unwilling to assert my rights till all other means of obtaining her hand had failed but now i have no alternative whence is your authority derived inquired aveline trembling as she put the question from your dead father said sir giles sternly his last solemn injunctions to you were that you should wed the man to whom he had promised you provided your hand were claimed by him within a year after his death with equal solemnity you bound yourself to fulfil his wishes the person to whom you were thus sacredly contracted is sir francis mitchell and now in your father's name and by your father's authority he demands fulfilment of the solemn pledge oh this is wholly impossible i will not believe it almost shrieked aveline throwing herself into dame sherborne's arms it is some wicked device to ensnare you i am convinced said the old lady clasping her to her breast but we defy them as we do the prince of darkness and all his iniquities avoid thee thou wicked old sinner thou worse than the benighted heathen get hence i say sathanas she ejaculated to sir francis ay i am well assured it is all a fabrication said anthony rock my master had too much consideration and tenderness for his daughter to promise her to a wretched old hunks like this with one foot in the grave already besides i knew he held both him and sir giles mompesson in utter abomination and contempt the thing is therefore not only improbable but altogether impossible hold thy peace sirrah cried sir francis foaming with rage or i will cut thy scurril tongue out of thy throat hunks indeed as i am a true gentleman if thou wert of my own degree thou shouldst answer for the opprobrious expression what proof have you that my father entered into any such engagement with you inquired aveline turning to sir francis your bare assertion will scarcely satisfy me neither will it satisfy me remarked anthony let him produce his proofs you are acquainted with your father's handwriting i presume fair maiden rejoined sir francis and it may be that your insolent and incredulous serving-man is also acquainted with it 
look at this document and declare whether it be not as i assert traced in hugh calvary's characters look at it i say thou unbelieving hound he added to anthony and contradict me if thou canst it is my master's writing i am compelled to admit replied the old serving-man with a groan are you prepared to render obedience to your father's behests maiden demanded sir giles menacingly oh give me counsel what shall i say to them cried aveline appealing to dame sherborne would that sir jocelyn were here it is in vain to expect his coming rejoined sir giles with a bitter laugh we have taken good care to keep him out of the way there is no help then said aveline despairingly i must submit we triumph whispered sir giles to his partner talk not of submission my dear young lady implored anthony rock resist them to the last i will shed my best blood in your defence if my master did give them that paper he must have been out of his senses and you need not therefore regard it as other than the act of a madman peace shallow-pated fool cried sir giles and do you fair mistress attend to me and you shall learn under what circumstances that contract was made and how it becomes binding upon you deeply indebted to sir francis your father had only one means of discharging his obligations he did hesitate to avail himself of it he promised you to his creditor and obtained his own release will you dishonour his memory by a refusal oh if this tale be true i have no escape from misery exclaimed aveline and it wears the semblance of probability i take upon me to declare it to be false cried anthony rock another such insolent speech shall cost thee thy life sirrah cried sir giles fiercely read over the paper again my dear young lady said dame sherborne you may perhaps find something in it not yet discovered which may help you to a better understanding of your father's wishes ay read it read it cried the old usurer giving her the paper you will perceive in what energetic terms your father enjoins compliance on your part with his commands and what awful denunciations he attaches to your disobedience read it i say and fancy he is speaking to you from the grave in these terms take this man for thy husband o my daughter and take my blessing with him reject him and my curse shall alight upon thy head but aveline was too much engrossed to heed him suddenly her eye caught something she had not previously noticed and she exclaimed i have detected the stratagem i knew this authority could never be committed to you what mean you fair mistress cried sir francis surprised and alarmed my name may not appear upon the face of the document but nevertheless i am the person referred to by it the document itself disproves your assertion cried aveline with exultation how so demanded sir giles uneasily why see you not 
that he to whom my father designed to give my hand was named osmond mounchensey osmond mounchensey exclaimed sir giles starting this is pure invention cried sir francis there is no such name on the paper no name at all in short nor could there be any for reasons i will presently explain let your own eyes convince you to the contrary she rejoined extending the paper to him and revealing to his astounded gaze and to that of his partner who looked petrified with surprise the name plainly written as she had described it how came it there cried sir giles as soon as he could command himself i cannot say replied sir francis i only know it was not there when i that is when i received it it must be clement lanyard's handiwork he added in a whisper i see not how that can be replied the other in a like low tone the alteration must have been made since it has been in your possession it could not have escaped my observation nor mine cried sir francis it is passing strange your infamous project is defeated cried aveline let the rightful claimant appear and it will be time enough to consider what i will do but i can hold no further discourse with you and command your instant departure and think you we mean to return empty-handed fair mistress said sir giles resuming all his wonted audacity be not deceived by fair means or foul you shall be the bride of sir francis mitchell i have sworn it and i will keep my oath as i am a true gentleman it will infinitely distress me to resort to extremities fair mistress said the old usurer and i still trust you will listen to reason if i have put in practice a little harmless stratagem what matters it all is fair in love and if you knew all you would be aware that i have already paid so dearly for you that i cannot afford to lose you cost what it will you must be mine never exclaimed aveline resolutely you will soon alter your tone when you find how little power of refusal is left you fair mistress said sir giles a litter is waiting for you without will it please you to enter it not unless by force and you dare to offer me violence she replied i advise you not to put our forbearance to the test said sir giles i should be grieved to impose any restraint upon you subjoined sir francis and i trust you will not compel me to act against my inclinations let me lead you to the litter as he advanced towards her aveline drew quickly back and dame sherborne uttered a loud scream but her cries brought no other help than could be afforded by old anthony rock who planting himself before his young mistress menaced sir francis to retire but this state of things was only of brief duration it speedily appeared that the two extortioners had abundant assistance at hand to carry out their infamous design a whistle was sounded by sir giles and at the call the cottage door was burst open by some half-dozen 
of the myrmidons headed by captain Blutter. any resistance that the old serving-man could offer was speedily overcome knocked down by a pike he was gagged and pinioned and carried out of the house the cries of aveline and the elderly dame were stifled by scarves tied over their heads and both being in a fainting condition from fright they were borne to the litter which was standing at the door and being shut up within it were conveyed as quickly as might be to sir giles mompesson's mansion near the fleet thither also was old anthony rock taken closely guarded on the way by two of the myrmidons End of chapter twenty four